0: What is up, New Orleans Saints fans? It is the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Todd Graffinini, along with my partner, John DeShazer. We have just finished practice number 16 out at the Oshner Sports Performance Center as the Saints continue their preparations for preseason game number two. In the Caesars Superdome on Monday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars. A little later on in the podcast, we'll hear from NOLA.com's Jeff Duncan. So you want to stick around for that. J.D., practice 16 in the books. I guess the first thing we should talk about is the transactions continue here in the building. Uh, The Saints are trying to just continue to upgrade the roster each and every day, even though we're still a couple of preseason games away for the end of training camp.
1: You know, the kicking of tires never ends when you're talking about an NFL team. Um, you're always looking to see if you can find somebody who's better than what you have or someone to fill uh, some vacancies that you have. The Saints continue to try to find people. They're trying to find receivers. They're trying to find defensive backs. Uh, if there's an offensive lineman out there they like, they'll bring him in, uh, a linebacker. you know. But they're trying to find guys who can help make this team a better team, which tells you there's always fluctuation, especially at the tail end of the roster.
0: Well, J.D., one of the new signees that immediately got put into action today was wide receiver Kevin White. Now, this is a kind of seventh year, and you could tell physically he's got all the talent in the world. This was a first-round draft. As a matter of fact, I believe he was the seventh pick in the draft uh, six years ago. But he's never been able to put it together. You just hope that something clicks for him And the opportunity and health both align at the same time
1: well the opportunity is is golden for him here um i hate i you know me i don't go overboard on on one practice and that kind of stuff but he looked pretty good he looked pretty good for a guy who's been out of football for a while Uh, he looks the part so if he can stay healthy the opportunity here is golden for him uh, with no michael thomas with a banged up traquan smith Uh, with Marquez Callaway basically being your number one receiver uh, right now in training camp. But, man, Kevin White looks good. He looks really good so far. Only been a day again, but he looked pretty good. Well,
0: he did catch a touchdown pass and red zone work from Ian Books, like I said, right off the street into the practice facility here at the Oshner Sports Performance Center. JD, keep working on installs. You know, Sean Payton talked about it after practice too. They are really hammering this red zone stuff. They're hammering the two-minute drill. They're going to keep this thing going through the rest of camp, which officially ends on Saturday.
1: Well, when you think about it, it was a con- it was it's always you know an emphasis in practice, but ne- not necessarily a concern because you had Drew Brees. So who was better in the two minute offense? Who was better in the red zone than Drew Brees uh, for all these years for the Saints, fifteen of them? Well, now all of a sudden you got two different quarterbacks, you've got a different receiving core, uh, you've got a really good offensive line. Those guys have been together, but you've got a lot of things there a lot of working parts that need to find sync, that need to find cohesion. And the only way you can do it is through practice. Now, yeah, you have the trial and error in games, but man, you sure want to get it right in practice before you step on the field in the game. So hopefully they can find that, but I can see why they're continuing to do red zone. They're continuing to do short yardage. They're continuing to do uh, two minute, because these are things that weren't necessarily big concerns because you had Drew Brees around.
0: In practice today, we also saw some heavier sets, as Sean Payton talked about post-practice, some three tight end sets, some fullback work. So we got to see a rare situation where the defense was playing base. You saw three linebackers out there, Caden Ellis, DeMario Davis. And Quan Alexander, a lot more contact work for Quan. He continues to get more and more acclimated.
1: Man, Quan, if he could, would be in there every rep. I believe um, it's—I don't want to say miraculous, but man, modern medicine is modern. Modern medicine is something because he ruptured his Achilles on Christmas Day, not Christmas Day 2019, Christmas Day 2020, and here it is, eight and a half months later or so that he's on a football field probably ready to play in an NFL game. It's really something to watch. So, and he and Demario Davis have such chemistry together, not just on the field, but it seems like off the field too. Those guys genuinely like each other. So that helps a whole lot. And Quan, look, he's a dude, sideline to sideline, he can run. He can cover people, and you need that kind of linebacker in today's NFL. Well, J.D.,
0: before we throw it to Jeff Duncan, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the passing of John Pease, former defensive line coach here. For the New Orleans Saints under Jim Mora, under Jim Hazard. it's a man who was here for a very long time and unfortunately passed away yesterday.
1: Yeah, really good guy. Um, John Peace, uh, we always thought John was a maniac because, John, we'd be in training camp in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and it would be one of those warm days. They didn't have a whole lot of them up in La Crosse, but when it was warm, it was warm. And Peace would be out, like, in the middle of the day, no shirt on, like, working out. I mean, like, killing it, working out we'd be like, "John, what are you doing?" But he was that kind of guy. He was he was fanatical about his work, a really good defensive line coach. Worked with some really good players including the Wayne Martins of the world. And so, you know, really he really will be missed because he was such a nice guy. That's that's the thing that jumps off the page about John Peace. Always a genuine, nice guy. Knew everybody's name. Had a smile for everybody. I don't know if I ever saw him have a bad day, uh, so to speak. So, you know, really going to be missed by the Saints family.
0: Well said, John DeShazer. And with that, we will send it to the next part of the podcast. It is my interview with NOLA.com, Times-Picayune, Advocates Jeff Duncan, who is back with NOLA.com. And here it is. Jeff, first of all... uh, Congrats on the new gig. You moved over from the athletic, but uh, you're still cooking, my man.
2: Yeah, uh, back uh, back home, and uh, it's really good to be able to cover the Saints, obviously, and New Orleans sports and be able to stay in this great city you and I both love.
0: Well, you've been here for a very long time, and you know, you've been to many a training camp practice, but I would imagine this has been a rather unique training camp, at least going back to 2006, because it's been – it's been a flip of the coin every single day. We just don't know what to expect on a daily basis.
2: I think it's the most compelling camp I've been to since the first camp that Sean Payton was at in 2006. There's just more news. There's more open jobs. There's more competition, more new faces. it has been a lot more
0: turnover, so it's made for a much more newsworthy training camp. You know, he took the next question right out of my mouth, and we continue to see it. Look, we're one preseason game in. you got a couple more to go but we continue to see guys coming in and out. Uh, Literally, they had tryouts yesterday in the indoor. They're on the field, the guys that they signed yesterday are literally on the field today at practice.
2: Yeah, it reminds me, I remember Randy Mueller when I covered the Saints as a beat writer back in the early 2000s, said one of the jobs during camp, one of his most important jobs as a general manager was churning the bottom five to 10 spots on the roster. He said, those are critical spots. You always wanna be trying to upgrade there. I know that sounds crazy because they're not everyday names for fans or for us in the media, mm-hmm. but to those people in the building, those are critical positions. and We see that, that continuing a trend throughout this camp, like you said, and it just shows you just how important it is for the Saints personnel executives, the coaching staff, to try and create competition all the way through the bottom of the depth chart.
0: You know, if you go nationally, the Saints have been pretty much under the radar. The big Story obviously is who's going to be the quarterback. Is it going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? But I think what's lost in all of this is they still do have some talent, and they're the four-time defending division champions. And you know, basically, it's all Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. But you know, the Saints. I I just think this is right in Sean Payton's wheelhouse.
2: I agree 100%. I mean, there's a formula for winning, and this team knows what that formula is, and that has not gone away. There's still elite talent here at the game's most important positions. Now, we you mentioned quarterback. We know Drew Brees isn't here anymore. You still have two guys that I think this team can win with, a quarterback. But then the other positions, the most important positions in the game, left tackle, mm-hmm. right tackle, edge rusher, shut down corner, running back, receiver. They have an elite player at each one of those positions. I think it has to give you a lot of optimism, and I agree with you. I think people are sleeping on this team around the league. And, graph, the, the game is still won in the trenches, mm-hmm. and that's the strength of this team. Both lines, I think, are dominant.
0: Talking with Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com, Times-Picayune, and the advocate. Uh, let's go back to the game on Saturday night. What did you like in Baltimore? What did you like, and what do you think needs to be worked on a little bit?
2: Well, I like what Sean said the other day. It kind of stood out to me as well. The energy, the effort, and enthusiasm. I mean, sometimes it's more about stature than it is about stats. You're just there to see how these guys carry themselves, the quarterbacks in particular. I like the the tempo they worked with. I like the command, the you know the body language they had. Some of those things stood out to me more than the interceptions. I'm not worried about the turnovers at all. Uh, to me, that was like an outlier. This team's been one of the best ball security teams in the league in the last decade, decade and a half. They don't fumble hardly ever. To me, that was a byproduct of not having much live tackling in mm-hmm. practice. That's not going to happen going forward. Uh, but obviously, you know, they stayed healthy, too, which was good for the most part. I thought they avoided injuries, and I would have just liked to see them finish that game out and win it. I know that's important to Sean, being able to establish winning culture. They had a chance. there; Ian Book had a chance, probably once that ball back uh, that was intercepted. But otherwise, I thought, all things considered, I was impressed with how they played. Uh, right. You know, the, the turnovers, excluding. And,
0: and I agree with you 100%. I mean, when you got... You know, running backs like Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman and basically fumbling, barely getting touch. You just think of the lack of contact that's going on in not only this training camp, but all around the NFL.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, and those ended so many drives that could have been scores. So the game, the complexion of the game changes if those turnovers don't happen. And like I said, uh, if this were a, uh, something where these players had track records of it, it would, it would be more concerning. That's not the case here.
0: Defensively, I, I just, you know, A lot of talk has been the other night about the play of Zach Vaughn and Caden Ellis with good reason. I, I just, I thought the defensive line absolutely dominated the Baltimore offensive line, specifically Marcus Davenport, who was literally unblockable. The thing about it is he didn't get credit for any sacks, but the disruption that he had, nobody that they put in front of him was able to block him.
2: No, and he's done that throughout camp. We've seen him have a tremendous camp. Uh, it's a big year for him, we all know. It's an important year for him. I think he's at a crossroads in his career, and he's responded. He's looked dominant throughout camp. Uh, and the first four series, Baltimore had the ball. They could not even gain a first down. They were stopped in short yardage, dominant play up front. That's what you expect from guys like himself and, and David Onyemata. I think the front seven on this defense is as good as anybody in the league. And I wasn't sure about that graph coming into camp considering the losses they've had along the defensive interior to me it looks like a strength of
0: this team who do you think is going to play opposite marshawn Lattimore right now uh, you've got crawley and adebo going back and forth but do you think adebo can eventually win that job i think
2: crawley will get the first shot mm-hmm. it could, he's played well he's had a good camp he has more confidence uh, adebo i like everything i see about him he looks the part of an nfl corner has that size speed ratio that the saints love at that position i just think it's a lot at that position early in, the, in in his career but i like what i see from i like what i see from all this rookie class mm-hmm. i think they've all got a chance i don't know if there's a a superstar in the in the class but i think all these guys are going to play for a long time
0: all right let's turn ahead to saturday night actually check that monday night in the dome against jacksonville we were told again from head coach sean payton that they're going to flip the script here and Jameis is going to get the reps with the first team and Taysom's going to back him up so This will be interesting to watch Jameis with the first team O-line, the first team uh, wideouts. And what are you looking for him to do on Monday?
2: Well, I'm eager to see one of these guys kind of get some separation between the other. We haven't really seen that yet. I like the way Jameis played, especially the two-minute drill. We all saw him in command, make some big plays. Uh, I would just like to see somebody seize control Mm -hmm. of this job. I think both of them, though, as I alluded to earlier, are good enough to win because the rest of the team is so good. I think quarterback play this year is going to be all about avoiding the negative plays. And we saw too many of those in the first preseason game. So I think avoiding those kind of mistakes and then just putting together some drives, getting in the end zone. Well, you
0: would hope that uh, they're not going to turn it over six times again.
2: No, and and look, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're a team in transition under Urban Meyer. Obviously, the, the all eyes are on Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback there. It's going to be fun to watch him play, but this is a team that the Saints should handily Uh, you know, should handle on both sides of the ball. They're just further along in their program. Uh, But it will be interesting to see how Jameis does against that defense because that's a weak spot right now for Jacksonville. They've got a few guys that can get after you up front, but their secondary remains a little bit of a a work in progress.
0: Final question for you, Jeff, and thanks for your time. Uh, This is going to be the first time in quite some time, I mean, you're going back to a couple of years ago, that there's actually going to be a crowd in the dome. I mean, we had, you know, a couple thousand last year, but how big is that just to get people back in there?
2: Oh, it's massive. I mean, going to Saints games is all about the fan experience, the crowd noise. I mean, that's the biggest home field advantage in the NFL, probably, along with Seattle. And missing that the last few years, or last year in particular, uh, was noticeable. And I think these players feed off the energy of the fans. There's no more passionate fan base in the league than the New Orleans Saints people live for these games they're like revivals church (laughs) revivals you know it's not just a a sporting event and to get the fans back here makes a huge difference I think it's a it's tangible on the scoreboard what it means to the Saints
0: Jeff Duncan nola.com times pick advocate welcome back sir glad to have you and uh We'll see each and every week. Let's do this again down the road.
2: Yeah, thanks, Graf. Always a pleasure, buddy. That
0: is Jeff Duncan. So that's going to wrap it up for this Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. When we come back on Friday and we'll have that preview of the Jacksonville Jaguars game, we'll be joined by former Saints wide receiver and world champion Lance Moore. So you want to stick around for that one. This is Todd Graffanini. We will see you on Friday for another edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeaKey.